It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... Uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, a little bit of the behind the scenes of the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. By the way, at BB Isn't Boring, at BB Isn't Boring socials. Twitter, Instagram, producer Evan doing an outstanding job. Follow along. Everything is going on. At BB Isn't Boring. A little bit behind the scenes. We wanted to leave this slot open, this day open, this morning open uh, for reaction to whatever might happen. Because you figure by the second day of the winter meeting, something is going to happen. Some momentum is going to take place. That's basically what happened last year. Remember Aaron Judge signed. You had the shortstops starting to get some heat. And then by the end of the winter meetings, you had most of them signed and, and certainly not the the biggest shock and awe that it comes with the winter meetings, but you had enough going on, and that's what we felt like was going to happen here. But you know, as Monday turned into Tuesday, they were like, "Oh man, you know what, what's going? What's what, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? We really should should have a guest on. Like we've had great guests on this week, no no doubt about it. You know, and we've had on obviously." Ben Nicholson-Smith, Sportsnet, talking about the Blue Jays. We're going to hear from that in a little bit. Talking about the Blue Jays situation, which, as we said, Blue Jays may be the most intriguing team in the entire winter meetings. Ed Han, our free agent guy. Bob Brada, who is Craig Breslow's former agent, giving us the behind-the-scenes, the insight into what it's like for a player to go to the winter meetings and also what it's like to an agent to navigate the winter meetings and how these how these processes have actually impacted Craig Breslow, who we're going to get to in a second, like how it impacted him landing in the suite, landing in a totally different chair at the winter meeting. So we were just figuring all this stuff out. Well, as the day unfolded, as Tuesday unfolded, really the thing that we latched on to was the Shohei Itani stuff. And that was thanks to Dave Roberts. So Shohei Itani has not signed. He has not agreed. 
Shohei Itani is the guy who everybody perceives as the dam breaker. Once he signs, now we're going to get some real moves. But we have to take whatever we can get with the Shohei Itani news as things evolve in the week because it's the spiciest stuff. Well, Dave Roberts, manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he certainly spiced things up. Okay, here's what Dave Roberts said when asked about Otani. Um, it's a good possibility. Yeah. I, I think that, um, um, yeah, we met with him. You know, I don't want to, I'd like to be honest. And so uh, we, we, we met with Shohei and uh, we talked and, um, I think it went well. I think it went well. But at the end of the day, uh, he's his own man, and he's going to do what's best uh, for himself, uh, where he feels most comfortable. Of course, what happens after Robert says that is that reportedly Dodgers PR huddles up with him. Brandon Gomes, Dodgers GM, sort of backtracks from that statement. And we all know, we have all heard about the Otani uh demands which is do not leak out anything when it comes to these negotiations do not leak out anything teams that are interested we do not want this going public and of course that was about as public as we've had anybody any executive or any player or person from any team really talk about otani now what does this mean and by the way that's a very real thing i've had it happen firsthand um i know that teams are super paranoid about this stuff so what does this mean well it means it should be reminded how stupid this is really i mean how stupid this is the fact is is we all have a pretty good idea what teams otani are meeting with and if dave roberts wants to just say hey listen we're interested in of course and he's a priority of course he's a priority he's the best player in baseball he's an iconic player and if you know, everybody knows that you're interested in, it's not like you're talking about state secrets of, of what was said in the meeting, what the presentation is being done. We know that the Dodgers are interested. We know the Angels are interested. We know the Cubs are interested. And by the way, speaking of the Cubs, also to spice things up a little bit, Jed Hoyer reportedly taking great upset, uh, exception with the fact or with the report that the Cubs are out of it. We'll see. But he says, no, we're not out of it. We have got no inclination that that's the case. But we also, we know the Blue Jays are in it. And, and we know the Blue Jays are in it, for instance, they're not saying anything. And they're playing that game. All right, fine. But we know they're interested. And I love, by the way, I love a good flight tracker. There's nothing that says off-season drama than someone tracking private jets. And that's what Josh the Jays fan did. Follow him on Twitter. So Josh and Jay's fan documents this private jet. Sunday evening, a private jet goes from Anaheim to Clearwater. Monday afternoon, the same jet flies from Clearwater to Anaheim. Sunday, Monday evening, 50 minutes after Ross Atkins' Zoom call ends, a different private jet goes from Clearwater to Nashville. And this is private jet tracking's the best. It's the absolute best. So once again, I mean, come on. The Dave Roberts thing, give the guy a break. It's it's fine. And I know the Dodgers are paranoid about this. I know that's how it works. But if, if for one second, one second, that this is identified as something that Shohei Itani 
bases his decision on, then what are we doing? Like, seriously, what are we doing? We're talking about uh, uh, this type of a commitment, and because somebody says something, you know, I can't imagine that to be the case. And what it did was maybe put the fear of God into all these teams. That's what it did. But does it really impact his decision? No. I want to go back to what Ben Nicholson-Smith said on our podcast. when Because the Blue Jays, of all these teams, are the most interesting, intriguing of everybody. So I want to go back to what when I asked why the Blue Jays, why Blue Jays in Otani to Ben, uh, this is what he said. I thought he was well ahead of the curve. I, man, they would love to. They're pushing for it. I mean, you don't engage with Shohei Otani to the extent that they have, unless you have visions of making that kind of announcement. So we can't rule it out. Um, I, I think that the Otani stuff is super interesting because by all accounts and teams, at least in talking to me, like it's very hush hush. Like it's not, they're not being very forthcoming with information of any kind about this. It's obviously a very sensitive topic and understandably so, because this is a unique free agent. He's an incredible, incredible player, maybe the most interesting free agent, the best free agent since A-Rod, like definitely, um, you know, this is, this is high stakes stuff. So I understand when teams are, are pretty cagey around what their exact interest is, but it certainly appears that as the field narrows and some of those final meetings are taking place, the Blue Jays are one of those teams. And everyone I've talked to still thinks the Dodgers are are the favorites. I, I have not heard a single person say that the Blue Jays are the favorites, nor should they be. Um, but they're still in it at this stage by all accounts. So that makes things really interesting because if they could somehow find a way to do this, then that would be the deal of Ross Atkins' life. So uh, I think it comes down to a lot of different little things. Um, I, I think that you've got a team that's pretty good. Um, they're definitely not great, but they're pretty good and they have a chance to contend. So that kind of checks that entry level box of, all right, they're not the White Sox. You know, they're not the, they're not the Pirates. They're, they're a decent team. They're a good team. Um, how good? That depends on you know a lot of things, but that is entry level. That's kind of table stakes to get in. Then you have some of the personalities on this team. They're young guys. They're guys that he's played in All Star games with. Bobachet, Vlad Jr. It seems like you know, and Vladdy gets along with a lot of guys, and so does Shohei. They're two pretty personable guys in very different ways. But it seems like just watching them that they enjoy interacting with each other. So that's a good starting point. He's got some young superstars. Maybe deflect some of the attention. Obviously, not the full scope of it. The Blue Jays also, as you know from being down in, in Dunedin, they have this new training facility. They've invested hundreds of millions in the training facility. That's a big deal for players who are maybe more data-oriented, which it certainly seems like Shohei Otani is. So he'd have tons of resources, track play technology, all kinds of computers, whatever it is that you want to, to get the most out of your, your ability. And then even within the Blue Jays' home clubhouse, they're doing this big renovation now to redo the home clubhouse at Rogers Center. So that's kind of an ongoing. They put in some new batting cages recently. Old building, obviously, right? Like from 89. But if they can make enough of these upgrades, it could be a pretty good environment for players to train in. And of course, there's the money. I mean, they can offer a lot of money. So that's also pretty important. All right. Well, you, you're wondering how the Blue Jays, why the Blue Jays? Well, there you go. It's a very real thing. Are they going to win the, the Otani hunt? I don't know. I don't know. But the fact they're in it says something. And if, if the fact they're in it, also think about this. If the Blue Jays are in the Otani hunt and they don't get Otani, don't think for a second they aren't going to go after somebody else. 
I mean, don't think for this isn't usually how it works. Now it kind of worked that way with the Giants last year when they missed out on Judge and end up with players who certainly aren't going to be big draws in terms of selling tickets. But the the Blue Jays, they are in it to win it. As Ben said, I mean, there is somewhat of a window here with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette getting a couple of years left. Them trying to get over the hump. So very real in terms of the Blue Jays going after. And I kind of honestly, like I think he's going to go to the Dodgers. But there is a part of me that I'm, I'm so intrigued by him going to the Blue Jays. I really am. All right. Well, so with all due respect to Atani, with all due respect to the Astros acquisition of catcher Victor Caratini, with all due respect to the White Sox winning out for the services of Eric Vetti, I'm sorry, Eric Vetti, uh, who dominated in Korea this past year. Um, the biggest news of the of the winter meetings on Tuesday, and just under the deadline, late Tuesday night, this happened. Alex Verdugo gets traded to the Yankees. So Alex Verdugo gets traded to the Yankees for three pitchers. This is why I'm going to first. I'm going to give you my take on the Red Sox perspective of the Alex Verdugo t- trade. All right, the Red Sox had no choice to be bold in this. Craig Breslow knew, knew that, and that's why Alex Verdugo's the Yankees right now. Such notions that the Sox couldn't possibly trade a legitimate everyday player to the Yankees, as some suggested, that even though multiple conversations between the teams dating back to last trade deadline happened, I know that. So all these people were saying, oh, no, 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 yeah, Red Sox and Yankees, that, that Glaber Torres report, that, that could never happen. No, it ha- it, it, these deals done. All right, all, those, all that conversation needed to be thrown out the window. And worrying about the legacy of whatever return you were getting when you, for whoever you landed, for the, the centerpiece guy for Mookie Betts, can't be part of the equation either. The Red Sox have lost the right to think that way. And that's why Verdugo's in pinstripes. Sure, it would have been easier for thirsty Red Sox fans to stomach a deal if the return was someone like Torres instead of three pitchers. In this case, Richard Fitz, yep, Dick Fitz, Greg Weissert, and Nicholas Judice, Judice, sorry, who have combined for a 29 games of Major League experience between them. We can't be hypocrites here when it comes to the Red Sox way of doing things. We can't. We have to let Craig Breslow cook. We have to let him cook. And that might be dramatic, but that's the reality. You have to let him do his thing. It's the new chief baseball officer's job to identify players he truly believes in and the guys that he wants. That's what Heim Bloom did when acquiring Verdugo, Connor Wong, and Jeter Downs for bets. Now, Breslow gets that turn. Under different circumstances, sure, but he gets that turn. Nobody's going to compare the immediate pain of Verdugo leaving for bets. Nobody. They, in other words, with the bets deal, they had a press conference, and they were so paranoid about it. They were, hey, no, listen, we had talk college ticket prices. They were so paranoid about that. And they're not paranoid about Verdugo, to that, certainly to that level. For a variety of reasons, as good of a player as the outfielder can be, the expectation was certainly part that this was going to be the acceptable turnover and would include, this is a player leading in to the last year of his contract, the contract year, 
And you also have guys who can fill that spot. That's the other part of this. William Abreu is a guy that a lot of people feel like Alex Verdugo can maybe produce what Alex Verdugo does offensively, certainly. You have Sedan Raffaella, guy who is defense first right now, but seemed to be a major league player and can help you defensively. And then their top outfield prospect, Roman Anthony, is uh, in probably a year or two away, but still a year away. Still, he's going to be, uh, everyone perceives him as an everyday outfielder down the road. He's part of the foundation of this team. But this is the Yankees, right? Everyone's freaking out. It's the Yankees. Red Sox did a deal with the Yankees. And make no mistake about it, the contract year Verdugo in Yankee Stadium is a win for Cashman, Brian Cashman, no doubt about it. For the Red Sox, the, the Verdugo experience was a roller coaster. Lefty hitter, he finished his time with the Red Sox hitting 281 with a 763 OPS and 44 home runs. With the Red Sox going 250 and 254 in games that he appeared. So, it was okay. It was some really, really good moments. Clutch player, some really bad downturns in terms of discipline and things like that. But my guess, contract year Verdugo, Yankees are getting the best version of the 27-year-old. All right. From the Red Sox perspective, so be it. They are in zero position to worry about the other guy. You have to focus, and I'll keep coming back to this J.P. Ricciardi quote. You have to focus on who you're getting more than who you're giving up. That is the mantra, and that is what the Red Sox should be focusing on. Understand this. The Blue Jays, they might get Otani. The Orioles are building a model franchise. The Rays are doing the Rays thing, except in the postseason. The Yankees are on the cusp of being the shock and awe Yankees once again. So will the trio of pitchers that the Red Sox get back put a dent in any of that? No, but that's not the point. The Red Sox have lost the right to worry about anybody but themselves. And that was a reality that was put on display with this deal. So, with all of that said, how can the Red Sox fans, who are so desperate for some hope here, stomach this in the short term? Well, for starters, we don't have a great handle on Breslow as the decision maker so far. But we can lean on his track record of what he did in terms of identifying the right pitchers for the Cubs. That's what makes the inclusion of the main pitcher coming back fits so intriguing. So who's fits? Understand. He's a six-round pick in 2021, came from Auburn, and he won the Eastern League. That's, of course, double-A pitcher of the year last year after going 11-5 with a 3.48 year in 27 starts, 6 for 3, 230 pounds, 9.6 strikeouts per nine innings, and according to Baseball America managers, I'm sorry, Baseball America polling the managers, he has the best control of any pitcher in the EL. Also, right now, according to our great friends at MLB Pipeline, Sam Dykstra, hopefully we'll have him on, Fitz immediately slots in as a 10th overall prospect and the second highest ranking pitcher behind Winkleman Gonzalez, who is at number nine. So, once again, Worry about who you're getting, not who you're getting up. This was Breslow's guy. Now we just sit back and wait to see who else falls under this umbrella. Lourdes Goriel Jr. is is reportedly a target. You look at Seth Lugo, maybe a target. 
Who does Breslow like? Who is the guys that he says we are going after and we don't mind doing uncomfortable deals? And let make me know a mistake about it. You know, you still have uncomfortable. The Yankees Red Sox thing can be uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it shouldn't be uncomfortable for for Breslow, just like it wasn't uncomfortable for Heim Bloom when he traded for Adam Adovino. All right. So who is going to fit under Breslow's umbrella? Now we have to sit back, just like we did with Bloom, and now then we judge. Watching Verdugo in New York will undoubtedly sometimes sting. Yes, it will for Red Sox fans. But you know what will hurt more? Pushing aside the conviction that you need at this time in Red Sox history and being paralyzed by archaic bumper stick rival bumper sticker rivalries. That's what this is. An archaic bumper sticker rivalry. You have to worry about yourself, Red Sox. All right. In terms of the Yankees, you also have to worry about yourselves. And what they have to worry about themselves is they're doing course correction. They're going shock and awe. You think that Verdugo is going to be the last move? I doubt it. They feel really, really confident about Yamamoto. They, you, there would be n- nobody surprised if they get Juan Soto as well. I mean, they were already looking for two outfielders, Verdugo, Juan Soto, Yamamoto. Holy mackerel. You don't think that people would be getting excited in New York about that, getting excited in baseball about that, and looking at the American League East? I mean, think about that. All the teams that I mentioned, everything that is going on in Toronto and Tampa and Baltimore, and now you have that in New York. Yeah, I'm not going to default back to what the Red Sox are going through because, like I said, they have to worry about themselves. But, wow, what a division that would be. And Verdugo is going to be good, and obviously, Soto, Soto. It doesn't matter who's going to give up. I mean... (laughs) Sure, you would be having two outfielders on the last years of their contract, but so be it. All right, well, at least we had something to talk about, right? Finally, at least we have something to talk about. So what I want to leave you with, all you Yankees fans, because you're saying, oh, who's Alex Verdugo? And we're reading up on him when we saw him play with the Red Sox, and we know about him, and he's going to shave his beard and everything else. I want to leave you with the a very, very popular podcast that we did Earlier in the year, it was actually in April, where Alex Verdugo and I talk about per, more personality in the game. And this is, of course, it got a lot of play because he was pretty critical of Alec Manoa. And, uh, but I just felt like it was important to give Yankees fans some, a little bit of taste of Alex Verdugo, his personality, his tone. Um, and, you know, listen, I mean, he's, he's going to have a good year, is my guess. Uh, he's a good personality. He's certainly ha- have hit some bumps in the road in terms of his career. But, you know, just get a, a feel for what the type of guy you're getting in terms of how he talks, what he feels, uh, because he's honest. That's another thing about Alex Verdugo dealing with him as much as I did. All right. Rate, review, subscribe. Like I said, at BB isn't boring. We're going to continue all of these press conferences, we're, nobody, there's no podcast that has given you more audio content than baseballs and boring from the winter meetings. So here you go. Here's Alex Verdugo. It's just one of those things that the WBC, like, it, it just, I don't know, it kind of, like, makes it, like, just 
makes it emotional. You know what I mean? It makes it like where you can celebrate these things. And I feel like in baseball, um, at least in the past, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, like, hey, you got to be professional or, or be humble or, or, you know, just like act like you've been there before, kind of. But it's like at the same time, I feel like everybody should understand, like, how hard it is to play in the big leagues, how hard it is to get a hit, how hard it is to even do something good. And it's like, you know, let's, let's still remember, like, like we're, do, we're, we're still playing a hard game. Like, let's still celebrate. Even if you're down fucking five, six runs, like, still celebrate. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like, that's what gets motivated. Like, that's what gets the guys going. That's what gets some energy. Like, um, I think we did it, what was it, the second game where we came back and I think it was 7-1? to one, Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Well, you hit the home run and, like, okay, Yeah, let's I hit go. the home run and, and I believe it was 7-3 to three after that. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, we're down by a lot. But, I mean, it didn't stop me from showing emotion. It didn't stop me from being like, you know, let's go. And I think that's something that, um, you know, with offenses nowadays, it's just you can put up five, six runs in an inning easily. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't ever really feel like you're too far out, even if the scoreboard says, like, like a big uh, difference. But, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, like you're best uh, carrying over that emotion. Just, you know, I'm just excited. And I love playing this game. And, you know, just like, this is one of those years, man, that I, I just I feel good and I just, you know, want to bring it and set a tone and, you know, just kind of bring that excitement back. The, so the WBC is, is was sort of like you said, like we all know that we like emotion. We all know that, that but there's always a hesitation. But then you have the WBC where a guy scores a run in the fourth inning and everyone comes out, right? Yeah. And I would like, and I've talked to, I talked to Strowman about this. I talked to other guys about it. Like the hope is that it carries over. Yep. And that's so like, do, do you sense that, that maybe, maybe, maybe that that will be something that happens? Like, yeah, I think, you know, obviously you can't be as as intense as the WBC because that's, like, that was like a two-week thing and it felt like, you know, once I was done, it was like, you're exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a lot of emotions. Like at the, it's like playing, like, World Series baseball, like, for all, like the entire year. And, like, that would just be impossible. Um, but I think, like, I think, you know, like having very, like, you know, variants of it where it's like, hey, throughout the year, you know, showing it, like, you know, you don't need to always come out of the dugout. And, right. Oh, like, well, that's what Cora was saying. So he's waiting for that first time in the regular season when everyone yeah. rolls out. But, I mean, I don't know if it's going to get to that level. Maybe in the playoffs? I don't know. Yeah, uh, playoffs, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all. I mean, wild card game. I mean, games in September that mean something. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're fighting for a spot. Like, yeah, that's all understandable. But I think for me it's just more of, uh, you know, showing emotions and, and, like, you know, just, you know, having your thing. Each guy has their own celebration. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm going to do. It just kind of comes out. Well, that you can see that when you get on third. Yeah. I mean, like, that was, to me, that was genuine. That yeah. was, like, that's what I thought of. I said, and, you know, I know that you celebrate before, but to me that seemed like, okay, you know, let's yeah, go. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. I think as long as it's natural and, like, you don't really, because you don't need to, to you know, have a celebration or already have one in mind. It's like, you know, go out there, handle your business, and whatever happens, like, let the game, like, tell you. And I think, yeah, you know, showing emotions, getting fired up after a strikeout, getting fired up after a defensive play, after a, a key walk, you know what I mean, in a certain spot. Like, these 
those things are they should be celebrated in a certain extent. Last thing, do you think there's an acceptance in baseball for this stuff? Yeah, you know, like even more so, even like than last year, certainly yeah. more than the year before and everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, growing up uh, when I was in the minors, so like around 14, 15, um, you know, those were like it was pretty. I frowned upon to yeah, show emotions yeah. and that's where I said like a lot of the older heads or veterans and guys were all like act like you've been here this that uh, you know and it's like at the end of the day you know I don't need to act like I've been here for 5, 10, 15 years or, or been here for one year at the end of the day I, I love playing this game and I genuinely get excited mm-hmm. and it's like you know what emotions are good in a 162 plus uh, game season you need emotions you need it it gets the other guys fired up whether they're laughing having a good time whether they're getting hyped up too it's just it's good to show emotions and you know you want to show these kids too it's like you know this is how you do it now with the whole staring down people and bat like throwing your bat crazy and you know like i said staring down a pitcher or a pitcher staring at you and looking at you and saying some shit like it's a little bit different yeah you, know, you start going into like you're crossing over into the disrespectful and like i don't really play like that i don't like that shit um you know that's when i start having a little bit of problems with it it's like you know like hey you want to pimp shit you want to look at the ball and do whatever you want skip hop jump like look at the ball like there's no reason right. to stare at the pitcher and be like yeah what's up yeah. and then vice versa with the pitcher striking out a hitter like you want to get fired up like look at your dugout like let's go yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you don't need to look at me at the plate and like be like, like you know fuck you like yeah, let's yeah, go yeah, yeah, yeah. just don't it's just you won that you won that scenario you did and you know like I think that's when you start getting a little bit muddy but if it's a genuine reaction and it's for the boys not again like not directed towards somebody then yeah like I'll say it right now I think Alec Manoa goes about it the wrong way you know what I mean 100% I think he does you can find videos footage of him in the AAA of AAA going like this to uh, hitters you know what I mean last year telling uh, Frenchie and Bobby like like, uh, go sit and yeah. shit like that and it's just like and looking right at him yeah. so it's like you know shit like that like that shit just pisses me off and like I said it's not it's not it's not the way it should be played it should be played like you're celebrating it with your team you're not fucking you're not disrespecting another player who's you know at the end of the day just we're just trying to compete man that's right. it 